Well, good morning again. As always, it is a joy and a privilege to be able to proclaim God's Word to you this morning. If you have a copy of God's Word with you, would you open to Matthew chapter 13? Matthew 13. As we've worked our way through the Gospel of Matthew over the last couple of years, we've seen a bit of how Matthew is organized. And one of the main ways that Matthew organizes his gospel is around these big sections of teaching from Jesus. The fancy people call them discourses. Jesus teaches everywhere, but these are sections that are only him talking, not the back and forth we see of questions and responses in other sections. And in the gospel of Matthew, there are five of these big chunks of Jesus' teaching. We've already seen two of them, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 through 7, and Jesus' teaching on the mission of the apostles and the church in Matthew 10. Today we come to the third of those big sections in Matthew 13, the parables of the kingdom. Matthew has 14 or, or rather 15 or 16 parables from Jesus, depending on how you count them, and seven of them are found here in Matthew 13. So for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at these seven parables about the kingdom of heaven. Remember, Jesus has already taught us about the kingdom of heaven. John the Baptist began in Matthew 3 with his call, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus, the king, who came to inaugurate that kingdom, repeated John's command, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told us what the kingdom of heaven looks like when it comes into a sinful and broken world like ours. He talked about the kind of righteousness or living that characterizes citizens of this kingdom. What he's doing now in these parables is a little bit different. What he's doing in the parables is showing us a tension, a contrast, a difficulty that exists. And it's the fact that the kingdom of heaven looks different from different vantage points. The kingdom of heaven looks different to those inside the kingdom than it does to those outside of the kingdom. It also looks very different now at the beginning of the kingdom than it will at the end of the age when the kingdom has grown to full maturity. And God's kingdom looks very different from God's perspective with his ability to see our hearts and who has true faith than it does from our perspective, limited to seeing only the outside of a person's life. Those three tensions, those three different perspectives, inside versus outside the kingdom, the beginning versus the end of the kingdom, and God's all-knowing perspective versus our limited perspective, Those three tensions are what Jesus is going to tease out in these parables in Matthew 13. Today we're going to see Jesus' opening parable, the parable of the sower, or the parable of the soils. And we're going to see what entrance into God's kingdom looks like, what new life in God's kingdom looks like. And in the midst of that, Jesus is going to call us to pay attention to how we hear the word of God. So because we already know that we cannot hope to hear God's word effectively without the work of his Holy Spirit, let's go to him in prayer and ask that he would open our ears to hear his word this morning. Almighty God, 
Most merciful Father, we humbly submit ourselves to you and fall down now before your majesty. We ask you that this seed, this word of your gospel now being sown among us, may take such deep root in our hearts and lives that neither the burning heat of persecution cause it to wither, nor the thorny cares of this life choke it out. But we pray a seed sown in good ground, it may bring forth the fruit of a changed life, 30, 60, even a hundredfold. Do this by the power of your Spirit, and to the glory of Jesus we pray. Amen. This is Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown among, along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty and in another 30. This is the word of the Lord. 
As we look today at this passage, we're going to look at it in three ways. First, we're going to see the sowing of the seed, what starts off Jesus' parable. Then we're going to look at the mysteries of the kingdom that Jesus tells us about in between the parable and its explanation. And then we're going to look at the soils and their fruit, the reception of the word of God. The setting for these parables is important because Jesus is speaking to crowds. Remember, he's just finished a long bout with the Pharisees about their opposition to him and their hatred of him. And then Ryan ended last week with the fact that even Jesus' own family, his mother and his brothers, are questioning him. So he ended by talking about a division. His true mother and sisters and brothers weren't just those who had the same blood or DNA or ethnic origin as he did, but those who do the will of his father. And now, right on the heels of that division, Jesus gets a huge crowd coming to him, so big that he decides to get into a boat on the Sea of Galilee and speak to the crowd on the beach. And when these great crowds show up, Jesus doesn't talk to them about the righteousness of the kingdom like he's already done. He doesn't give a grand sweeping invitation to come to him for rest and forgiveness like he has already done. No, instead he tells a little story about farming and seeds and different kinds of soil. The story, what we know as a parable, starts off with a sower or farmer sowing seeds. He's walking around his property and scattering them abroad. And Jesus tells us and his disciples when he begins to explain the parable that the seeds are the word of the kingdom. This is the word of God, the gospel that is proclaimed. And the sower in this story scatters the gospel everywhere. He throws it everywhere he walks. And just like physical seeds, the word of God brings forth life. This is the first and most basic point that Jesus is making, and it's so basic in the parable that it's easy for us to miss it. The seeds are the word of God, and the word of God is what causes life to spring forth and to grow. Jesus never explicitly states in this parable that he is the sower, but this is exactly what Jesus has been doing. He has been going around teaching and proclaiming the word of God, the word of the gospel, the word of the kingdom, and bringing forth life through it. And that is exactly what the kingdom of God continues to look like to this day. The word of God spread abroad is the cause of spiritual, eternal life. We'll look at the reception of the word in a minute, but we need to get this point and never forget it. The power of God for bringing life out of death is his word. It was his word that spoke and brought creation out of nothing. And that same word brings spiritual life when there is nothing in us. Do we believe this? Peter says in 1 Peter 1, You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. New life, sustained life, doesn't come from willpower or self-discipline, or thinking positive thoughts. It comes from the Word of God. Do you believe this for yourself? When you struggle to know how to motivate yourself to live as God has called you, 
when you feel powerless to fight and kill your sin, when you feel your affections for Jesus weak and shallow, pick up your Bible and plant the seed of God's word deep in your heart. The question is not just for you, but for others. You have friends and family who aren't Christians. I know that you pray for them, which is absolutely essential. We must pray because the sovereign God is the only one who brings forth life. But he has told us what instrument he uses to bring life. And it's his word. Are you sharing the word of the gospel with your family and friends who are dead in their sins? Are you like the sower in this parable spreading everywhere the word of God? It is his instrument for life. But even though this truth is basic to the parable, it's not quite the purpose of the parable. It's the necessary backdrop, but the parable itself focuses not on the seed, but on where the seed lands. The seed lands, Jesus says, on different types of soil, different kinds of ground, and that is what his parable is about. It's actually what all of the parables are about. Jesus tells the parable to the crowds in verses 1 through 9. And then when his disciples ask, he explains to them in verses 18 through 23 what the parable is about. But in between, the disciples ask him why he's talking to the crowd in parables at all. Listen again to what he says in verses 10 through 17. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their eyes, they can barely hear. Or with their ears, rather, they can barely hear. And their eyes, they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, Many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. You heard Jesus in verse 11 say to the disciples that it has been given to them to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. That word translated secrets is mysterion. It's where we get our word mystery. These are the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And that can sound a bit strange at first, like they are given some sort of secret knowledge or key that other people don't have access to. Do you remember those pictures, I found out this week, that they're called stereograms, that when you look at them, they just look like a bunch of blobs on a page. But when you blur your eyes in the right way, suddenly the picture emerges It can sound like Jesus is giving the disciples the key to seeing this picture. Like as soon as they hear the parable, they know exactly what Jesus means. But we know this isn't the case. 
Do you know how we know this? Because the disciples don't understand the parable. Jesus had to explain it to them. And that happens again and again with other parables. They don't understand when Jesus tells them the parable. So then what does it mean that they are given the secrets, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven? Well, it means exactly what it has meant everywhere in Jesus' gospel. Jesus has been telling us that your destiny, your eternity, whether you will go to heaven or hell, whether you will receive judgment or joy at the end of your life, all of those things hinge on what you believe about Jesus. The most important thing in your life is what you believe about Jesus. Remember that all-important point in Matthew 16 when the disciples are giving Jesus all these theories that other people have about who he is. And then Jesus turns to them and says, but who do you say that I am? Peter responds, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And what Jesus has been telling us, especially in his interactions with the Pharisees, is that if you accept that, if you accept Jesus for who he is, then his words will bring you life and clarity and rest and peace. But if you don't, if you reject Jesus as the Messiah, if you say you don't want him as the savior of your sins, then his words will bring anger and frustration and mockery from you. There is no middle ground. And it's not just that there's no middle ground on that choice, but that choice about who Jesus is also has continuing effects as you hear him. His continual teaching will either soften your heart or it will harden your heart. What Jesus is describing in the parables is what the kingdom of heaven is like. He describes entrance into the kingdom of heaven. He describes the growth of the kingdom and why trading your life for God's kingdom is a good trade. He describes the patience required for God's timing in his kingdom. And what Jesus is saying about these parables is that unbelievers will hear these things and they will think they are ridiculous. They will think they are nonsense. They may even anger them. Notice that the the parables are not the call of the gospel. There is nothing unclear about the call of the gospel. You are a sinner who is sick and weary and heavy laden. And Jesus says to you, I am the savior for your sins, the physician for your sickness, the rest for your soul. Come to me for salvation and life and rest. There is nothing unclear about that. But if you reject that call, if you reject Jesus, if you refuse to come to him, then Jesus says that when you hear his words, they will continue to harden you. They will dull your hearing and blur your vision. It's both things together. Because a person has hardened their heart toward Jesus, they can't see his kingdom clearly. And because they can't see clearly, these teachings will further harden their heart. This is what Jesus says about the parables. They reveal the mysteries of the kingdom to his disciples even if it takes time and teaching to understand. But they harden and frustrate 
those who don't want Jesus. The great 19th century preacher Charles Spurgeon said, The same sun which melts wax hardens clay. And the same gospel which which melts some persons to repentance hardens others in their sins. This is what Jesus is teaching us about his parables. And it's ironic of Jesus to teach this to the disciples, sandwiched between a parable about how we hear and receive God's word and its explanation. It's almost as if this parable illustrates what parables in general are about. I said that the seed is the picture of the word of the gospel. Like a seed, it is God's word that brings life to a dead heart. But the focus of the parable isn't on the seed, but the soils. Jesus shows us four different kinds of soils that all receive the same seed of the word. Let's read his explanation again in verses 18 to 23. He says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. This parable is about paying attention to the way that you hear and receive God's word. Jesus says that the same word will have different results depending on the kind of reception you give it. I want to look at each of these four ways of hearing that he describes and then talk about what this means for us The first kind of hearing Jesus talks about is hard-hearted hearing. It's the seed sown along the path. The ground has been stepped on over and over and over and now is pressed down and hard. And so the seed just sits on the top of the soil. In the parable, birds come and snatch the seed away. Jesus says this is Satan snatching God's word out of your ears when you are listening to it. The most obvious context for this is here, in this room, when you hear God's word preached and explained. And I want you to think about what this looks like. Maybe you walk in here every week, and even if your exterior is smiling and thoughtful, your internal posture is folded arms and a stoic face. You think, I'm not buying into all of this. I'm not getting caught up in this religious zeal. You don't even listen with the ear of a skeptic who at least analyzes what is said. You are already convinced that you don't want or need to hear what is being said. That's what it means to listen with a hard heart. The second kind of hearer is the rocky ground. For this, we shouldn't picture visible little rocks scattered throughout the soil. 
Instead, you should picture what I'm sure you have already found in your yard living in Middle Tennessee. Maybe you've tried to plant a tree or dig post holes for a fence. You dig into nice-looking ground only to hear your shovel smash into solid rock two inches below the surface. Jesus says in this kind of ground, when a seed is planted, there is no root. He says that the hearer hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But when tribulation or persecution comes, he falls away. Many of you know someone like this. You've known people in this church or in your family like this. Their joy and excitement about Jesus were evident. They were involved and enthusiastic, but then something came up in their life. Trouble, difficulty, hard questions, and the joy and excitement about Jesus quickly withered away. The third kind of hearer is sown among thorns. People debate whether the thorns were already visible or whether they were under the surface and grew up along with the seed. There's no way for us to know. But Jesus says, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Notice how vivid that phrase is. The cares of the world choke the word. Success, money, either for stuff or for security, worry, people-pleasing, popularity. Those things wrap themselves around your life and occupy your mind and your heart so that the life of the gospel gets pushed out and supplanted. These things get your focus and cause you to be an unfruitful hearer of the word. And I want you to see that word unfruitful. Notice that's what these last two scenarios, these last two kind of hearers are talking about. They both have initial growth, but those twin challenges of suffering and success keep that growth from ever resulting in fruit. This brings us right back to what Jesus said to the Pharisees about a tree and its fruit. You must believe in Jesus. Coming to him in faith is the only way to salvation. But true belief and coming to Jesus will always result in a changed life. It will always result in fruit. So this is the time where you assess whether your hearing is resulting in fruit. Part of that fruit is love for God. Do you enjoy prayer and reading God's word? Do you enjoy worshiping with his people? Are those things like breathing to you? Or are they an annoying duty? Our hearts are not perfect. We will never get that perfectly on this side of glory. But have you seen growth and progress in that in your life? That fruit also involves loving other people. Have you made progress in showing love to your spouse, even when they are hard to love? Have you grown in your patience toward toward difficult neighbors or coworkers? Do you pray for unbelievers and work to share the gospel with them? Or is your life so wrapped up in work or your family or your hobbies 
that you don't remember the last time you examined your fruit? Are you so focused on your own suffering and pain and sadness that you don't have any attention left for others who are hurting? Are you paying attention to your fruit, to your life? Do not let your hearing of God's word be unfruitful. The final kind of hearer is actually three different hearers. But Jesus calls all of them good soil. He says, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. There is nothing here that tells us what makes the good soil good. It doesn't say anything about whether the ground has been well tilled to break up the rocks or whether it has been diligently weeded to keep away the thorns. All we know is the result. The result is a good harvest of fruit. This person has heard God's word, received it, and been changed by it. The result of that seed of the word is a plentiful harvest. In some cases, a 30-fold harvest. In others, 60. And in others, a 100-fold harvest. So Jesus tells us this parable to show that not everyone who hears the word will respond in the same way. This should cause you to be careful how you listen and examine whether you are receiving and applying God's word to your life. It should cause you to heed the words of John the Baptist in Matthew 3. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Are you being attentive to your heart and life? When you confess your sins each week, whether they are things that you shouldn't do that you did do, or things that you should do that you didn't do, are you seeing growth from week to week? Are you seeing progress? Are you glad Jesus loves you, but... You still treat people awful at work or in your family or in the church. Is the word of God going in one ear and out the other? Or is it taking root in your heart and slowly but surely making progress in your life? Are you growing in humility and love and joy? Those are questions of application for how we hear. But what I want us to think about for a few moments to end our time this morning is the tensions in this parable. Remember, I said at the beginning that the parables are often bringing three tensions before us, three different perspectives. The perspective of those inside the kingdom versus those outside the kingdom. The perspective from the beginning of the kingdom versus the end, and God's all-knowing perspective versus our limited perspective. This parable especially brings before us the tension between God's all-knowing perspective versus our limited perspective. Notice that the soils in the parable describe the nature of a person. They describe their hearts, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And what is hard about this parable and how to apply it is that we cannot see a person's heart. Only God can see their heart. So the sower, who originally is Jesus, but since then is everyone who proclaims the gospel to a person, isn't asked to try to figure out what kind of soil the person is before they tell them the gospel. 
We are commanded to preach the gospel to everyone. Sow the seed liberally like this sower to whomever will listen. Our job is not to make growth happen in others. It's to give the words of life and let God do his work. And this also means that we often aren't able to see the long-term effect of the seed on someone's life. The parable mentions someone who begins with joy and then eventually falls away. But there are also people who start out looking like hard ground, but eventually prove themselves to be good soil. I was listening to an interview a while back with a woman named Molly Wortham, who's a history professor at UNC Chapel Hill, and she had been an atheist her entire life. She talked about times that she sat in church as a kid thinking how glad she was that she didn't believe this stuff. She sat through church services as an adult and didn't believe or understand it. And then all of a sudden, after a series of events in her life, she became a Christian last year. She finally heard the gospel and received it after the word never coming and planting itself in her heart. That's the story of a lot of you in here. You heard and heard and heard to no effect. And then one day the seed of the gospel took root in your life. So let us not get hung up worrying which soil we are talking to. Instead, let us be persistent in telling the gospel. And don't despair when you see no effect. Let our sovereign God worry about the timing. And then lastly we need to realize that this same thing is true with examining ourselves in this parable. You may notice that the parable itself doesn't really have any application for us. The only command Jesus gives is, He who has ears, let him hear. And so we can be tempted to think that the application is asking yourself, which soil am I? It's not wrong to ask that question. It's good to examine our hearts and our lives But that can't be where you stop. Instead, realizing that your heart is hard or that you have been letting your suffering or worries choke out the word, realizing those things should cause you to turn to everything else that Jesus has already said in this gospel. If you realize you have a hard heart toward the gospel, then trust in Jesus. Hear and obey his command. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Pray to Jesus, Jesus, I need you. Change my heart. If you realize that you have let tribulation rob you of your joy, then heed Jesus' call to take up your cross and follow him, to lose your life so that you can find it. Pray in faith, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life, no matter what comes. If your work or your family or your worries are all you think about, then pray to God that you would seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And in so doing, all these things will be added to you. And if you have been listening, if you have been hearing and trusting in Jesus and bearing fruit in your life, even little by little, Keep it going. Keep persisting. Keep filling yourself with his word. 
Keep obeying and putting your sin to death and bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Be careful how you listen. Pay attention to your heart. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and take root in your life so that you may give a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 fold. Would you all pray with me? Father, we hear these words and we know that we are helpless to change our hearts. So we ask that you would till the soil of our hearts. That you would break hard ground. That you would weed out the cares of the world that choke your word. And that you would give us receptive hearts to you and to your word. That we would receive Jesus for who he is. And that we would come to him in faith. Do this in those who have never come, and do this in all of us who have come again and again and again. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.